A Berlin Story Ilza slouched at the manager's desk, wearing a silk robe with oriental pretensions. The smoke from her cigarette floated above her head like a halo. "'When did you meet him?' the burly detective asked. His weary eyes said there was nothing that could shock him. "'Several months ago, at a café on the Kaffirstendam,' she smiled prettily. "'We were both having tea.' "'He was alone?' "'Not then, but he returns the next day. Alone?' The detective took off his coat and slipped it over a chair. He knew her type, arrogant, smug, confident in her charms. What happened when he came into your dressing room? Crossing one leg over the other, she dangled her foot in front of him. He paid me a visit. And what was the nature of the visit, Fräulein? Must you be so indiscreet, Herr Inspector? The detective shifted. The office wasn't much bigger than a closet. He felt too big for the room. You knew, of course, that he was married. Aren't they all? What did he give you in return for your favors? What I expect from all my lovers. Kindness, passion, a gentle touch. And perhaps a few thousand marks conveniently wrapped in a white linen handkerchief? She fluffed her hair. A whiff of cheap perfume drifted his way. You presume, mein Lieber. When did he leave? When we were finished. And you made sure your friends were waiting for him, yes? Ready to roll him for his cash. What was your cut, Fräulein? Inspector, you are unkind. But he put up a fight, didn't he? Your friends didn't count on that. He struggled, and things spun out of control. She drew herself up and tossed her hair. Even in the dim light of the office it gleamed. I do not know what happened when he left my room. I had nothing to do with his death. The Murder of Katie Boyle Katie Boyle had a perfect body, a beautiful face, a terrific sense of humor, and a law degree. So it wasn't surprising that people hated her. Still, when I found her body in the closet of Body Works, her exercise studio, on a sunny spring morning, I was stunned. Murders don't happen on the North Shore of Chicago. Not often, anyway. I wouldn't have found her at all if I didn't have the annoying habit of being early. Promptness on the set is non-negotiable in my video production business, and it's spilled over into the rest of my life. When I'm early, as was the case that Monday, I help Katie haul out the weights, bands, and other paraphernalia she uses to torture us. The studio occupies an area of the village we euphemistically call downtown, but is really not much more than a couple of strip malls on both sides of the street. I parked in the lot, went inside, and climbed the steps to the second floor. I stopped in the hall. The door to the studio was unlocked, but the lights were off. I was mildly surprised. Katie usually arrived well before class, steaming cappuccino in hand. I flipped on the lights and went into a tiny reception area. I loved the smell of coffee even more than the taste, but there was no rich, dark aroma wafting through the air. Instead, I noticed a stuffy smell, as if the studio had been full of people and needed airing out. But there'd been no early class this morning. Maybe she was in the bathroom. Katie? I called out. It's Ellie. No answer. I peeked into the studio. It was a large, comfortable room with a thick rug, one of the only carpeted exercise studios I'd ever seen, and mirrored walls. 
As I looked around, I caught a glimpse of myself frowning. Katie? I called again. You there? Still no answer. I ran a hand through my hair. Maybe she went back to her car for a pair of socks or a headband. I checked the clock. Still eight minutes until class. Mondays are usually an interval class, combining aerobics and strength training. I should pull out the equipment from the closet. I went over and twisted the door handle. I felt a weight on the other side. I opened it. That's when Katie's body tumbled out, her head bloody and misshapen, 